Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, covering Andrew Cuomo. So it's Friday midday. This thing is moving fast. But where we are now is that there are two people who have come forward, two former employees with sexual harassment allegations against the governor, a third woman whom he encountered at a party. And there is a sort of growing sense that this is this thing is gathering steam. There's an investigation that's ongoing. And, you know, that you sort of sense it were one more story away from maybe being able to not hold on to his job. We don't know. What's fascinating to me, though, is when you read the coverage of this, you definitely get the sense from reporters who have covered Cuomo that this has been sort of a long time coming. I'm thrilled to be joined today by two reporters who can really help us understand that. Josefa Velasquez is a state capital reporter for the city, and Michael Powell is a national reporter for the New York Times. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Josefa, let me start with you, because you had a terrific piece. Gosh, it probably seems like a thousand years ago, but I think it was on Sunday, in which you talked about, you sort of picked up on this thread that there have been warning signs about a lot of this stuff for some time. And that even among reporters who cover the governor, there have been signs that this was coming. Talk to me a little bit about that and sort of what you know, sort of how you have been sort of putting in putting this late these latest allegations in that sort of context as you cover this going forward. I think to me the thing that's the most fascinating is that the Andrew Cuomo that has been in the media and that people have been paying attention to for the last year is the a different Andrew Cuomo than the one that the reporters who cover him know. So, you know, you have this uh, Andrew Cuomo that stepped up when there was little federal uh, leadership on the COVID pandemic. So people fell in love with him, the public fell in love with him. Uh, media outlets uh, fell in love with him, especially the TV ones. Um, And that persona was at odds, I think, with a lot of what the people who work with him know him as. Um, But for years, the governor has made like really uncomfortable jokes and remarks uh, that always got sort of nervously laughed off. Um, and, you know, we're talking about this one instance where he told a young reporter in Syracuse, a young female reporter in Syracuse, uh, to eat an entire sausage, um, while his daughter was sitting next to him and just kept on talking about sausage, uh, which is uncomfortable for everyone. Um, but there were also instances where the governor just seemed tone deaf in some of his remarks. And I think the Me Too movement uh, changed the dynamic of things. Um, But really in the last few days, in the last few weeks, the governor has been uh, an open, especially to phrase that, it's been an open secret that the governor has uh, been a bit of a bully. Um, so it's been really interesting to see how this is playing out now and why people suddenly care. Yeah, the timing of this is curious to me, though, because, I mean, 
you mentioned me too. Um, but, but, and there were a lot of, you know, what happened after the Weinstein story broke. And then there was this wave of people who there, there were sort of open secrets of people, of, of men who had harassed women that sort of came out. Um, Cuomo was not in that wave. And then you mentioned the sort of like the Cuomo kind of infatuation period at the beginning of COVID where he was on TV with his brother. They were sort of yucking it up and everyone was like, you know, Andrew is like our whatever father figure or something. Um, but but even then, these stories didn't come up. Um, so what do you think? Do you, do you have a theory to explain why, why this is why these are coming up now? I think it's death by a thousand cuts. Uh, it the ball started rolling on this when an assembly member from Queens, who's not a household name, uh, told CNN that you know he got this really threatening phone call from the governor um, about nursing home deaths during the pandemic, and that he has never been talked to that way by anyone. Um, yeah. And after that, that opened the door for everyone else to share their Cuomo stories of, you know, getting these threatening phone calls in the middle of the night. Um, and I think that laid the foundation for other people to talk about their toxic workplace. Um, and I think that was a natural progression into a toxic workplace creates and fosters an environment for harassment. And that led us to sort of sexual harassment allegations that we've been seeing over the last few days. Yeah. Um, Michael, it's so interesting to talk to you because you covered Giuliani. I mean, to me, when, when all this started happening the last few days, it really did remind me of Giuliani, who we knew was a kind of odious figure before 9-11. And then 9-11 happened and he was like America's mayor and he was the guy who was sort of leading the nation really out of this terrible, dark moment. And then what <laughs> we've seen what's happened to him since. And so there was this, to me, very similar, like people sort of like, I don't know, lost their mind for a second about who this person was, or they just got sort of swept up in it. Did, did, did this thought occur to you as you watched this Cuomo coverage for the last few days? Yeah, to some extent. I mean, I think, and, and you're, you're right. I mean, Giuliani had, I mean, Giuliani's moment as mayor really was in his first term. He's, in other words, his good moment, right? The moment in which he got all kinds of national attention. And the second term had been a this decline into, um, you know, kind of parody, right? I mean, he, he calls a press conference to announce that he's separating from his wife before he's even told his wife. I mean, it's just, it's this kind of lunatic uh, it appears to be kind of this lunatic end of days for Rudy. And then comes this great crisis. And, you know, and actually, I'd give him credit. I mean, those first few days, you know, I mean, we can live with dualities in people. And, and I think that one, you, and, and, and he performed well until he didn't, <laughs> until he decided to try to overturn democracy, uh, you know, a, a week or so after 9-11. But, you know, there, there is, I wonder, I mean, there's, there's certain similarities there to Andrew, right? I mean, it's, um, you know, it's been a long time. He's been, you know, playing the, you know, kind of muscular bully boy for 
many, many years. I mean, I experienced that, you know, when I did a, a when I wrote a column on uh, New York and that was, you know, what, eight years ago. I mean, and he was famous for this sort of stuff. So it's, it's almost kind of amazing that he's lasted, even putting to the side the, the very important question of, you know, sexual, um, you know, harassment and that kind of thing. He's been playing this kind of extreme bully game for a long time. And it's, it's um, you know, and then he had his moment as you say, you know, come, come the, the, the coming of the plague. And I think in the same kind of duality, I mean, kind of say, yeah, he had this like strong muscular personality, people that resonated with people at a time of extreme worry, extreme anxiety. Uh, and I think you can kind of give him that credit, even as you say, look, <laughs> you know, in other ways, if if not if he had not exactly been descending into parody, I mean the the downside of Andrew was pretty well known to you know folks who cover him and uh, and have to deal with him as fellow pals in that ecosystem. Joseph, I'm curious about your own experience dealing with Cuomo. Um, had you had you had you? I mean I, I mean. Um, Rudy Giuliani notoriously told Michael, used the F word with Michael <laughs> in public, um, and, you know, super aggressive. And now we, we're hearing from other reporters, especially women reporters, about um, um, Cuomo being inappropriate, harassing them, or, or just being a bully. What has been your own experience dealing with him? Um, you know, I have been covering Andrew Cuomo since 2013 as an intern. Um, so we're going on the better part of a decade that I've been covering him. I don't think he actually learned my name until last year, uh, mm -hmm. which says a lot about the mm -hmm. way he treats uh, female reporters and especially young women. I mean- Can I ask you just about, I'm sorry, but can I ask you just about that? Would he sure. just find a way not to use your name or did he have other, like what he would call you something else or what? What do you mean? It, it never, I, he never used my name. You know, I have okay. press conferences. He would call out other male reporters uh, by name uh, mm -hmm. and even some female reporters. Uh, but I don't know if it was a conscious effort to not learn the names of young female reporters or whether, you know, he didn't actually know my name. But I think if you look at the, uh, the COVID briefing, he has a certain familiarity and uh, comfort with male reporters that he doesn't have with female reporters, especially young ones. Um, and you could mm -hmm. tell by his answers, he gives these long expansive answers and lets more men get questions in than women. I don't think that is a uh, design flaw. Uh, and, you know, over the last few days is, or over the last few months, as those briefings have become virtual, the Cuomo administration handpicks the people that get questions. Um, and you could tell that there is a pattern there of who gets selected. Um, it's, you know, I went months without getting picked for a question. I think several of my colleagues as well, um, you know, the New York Post reported on this bombshell phone call where his top aide effectively said, uh, you know, we froze 
during the um, pandemic and didn't release the accurate number of nursing home deaths. And the governor went on to berate the New York Post and at no point called on the reporter that broke that story. Uh, and I think that's indicative of like who he's comfortable around and what sort of value you place on the reporters who cover you. Mm -hmm. uh, you have in your piece that I referenced earlier, this sort of um, exchange that he had with Karen DeWitt, who was a longtime Capitol correspondent for public radio, and in which she asks him about what state government is doing in light of sexual harassment and assault allegations against a former aide. And he, he tells her that she was doing a disservice to women by asking the question. Um, ha, have there, has all of this been, this sort of goes back to my earlier question about like um, this, the sort of understanding why this is coming out now. Have there been people writing these stories all along? about like about these about like you know, this the sausage thing that you mentioned earlier um this remark that he made this exchange with karen have the, people been writing and noting this and nobody's been caring about it or they it just hasn't been rising up to the i know that the karen dewitt thing was I, I remember that at the time i remember people talking about that but why why did why didn't these things stick more do you think i think that it was it was definitely written about, but no one was paying attention to Andrew Cuomo that extensively. You know, the people who cover New York state politics and pay attention to New York state politics knew about all this stuff. Um, but, you know, the Cuomo sexuals and those who came on board uh, and learned about Andrew Cuomo later in the game uh, didn't. So seeing these things and reading about, you know, what the workplace was like under Andrew Cuomo I think is jarring for a lot of people, especially given that you know, Joe Biden's press secretary was recently fired for berating a White House uh, correspondent and making inappropriate remarks to her. So I think that made all the difference for what we're seeing today. Because um, it, it like, like we said earlier, like it has been an open secret. It's not news. It's just that suddenly everyone cares. And it's weird to think about because all of this behavior has is so normalized, uh, especially for mm. those in New York politics. You know, you don't think different when, you know, the governor or his aides call you or call your editors berating you um, or when they start you know, throwing personal uh jabs at you and telling you to like get out more that all seems so normal and it's really odd that suddenly everyone realizes that okay this behavior is really toxic and that you don't actually have to put up with it and that it's not warranted and do you think that change of attitude is not going to stick. Um, in other words, if he's if he if he manages to survive this news cycle, and we're and he's in office in three months, do you think that there'll still be this new awareness and and responsiveness to this, or do you, or do you see do you see everyone sort of reverting back to the norm? 
I mean, I guess it all depends whether or not uh, what comes down from here on out, uh, whether there are going to be more allegations of sexual harassment or just toxic workplace environment and how uh, egregious they are. You know, if that's the case, I, I don't know how he can effectively govern um, and whether or not he'll be a distraction to mm. New York. And, but I think that because more women have been elected to office, that's why there has been this sort of heightened scrutiny of how power functions. Mm. And this unwillingness to put up with, you know, really poor behavior and toxic behavior. Um, so, you know, there is normal workplace tensions that happen and you know, things like that, but it shouldn't rise to the occasion uh, where you have AIDS basically having PTSD all this week. I mean, I've been getting calls and I've been making calls to people just about how triggering all this stuff is. Mm -hmm. uh, and how like emotionally and physically and psychologically scarring it is to see someone's phone number and like start to panic. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, hopefully this is a learning experience for other politicians to realize that like no one's going to put up with this stuff anymore. There is this long, unfortunately, history. I mean, Spitzer was, you know, insane in his dealings with other people in the press uh, and with other politicians. I mean, I never forget, you know, the head of the Working Families Party talked about, you know, sitting there and literally like his spittle is hitting his face because he's screaming, you know, he's Spitzer's screaming at the top of his lungs, kind of handle the press the same way. You know, there is this, I think, kind of, yeah, it's a toxic, I mean, it's a toxic environment. It is interesting. I mean, Rudy was the same way, lots of, you know, screaming and yelling and baiting. And it's a, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly seems a, um, a, a certain type in New York politics. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, not, and one that's kind of weirdly successful until it isn't because, you know, you're alienating people all the way along. And, you know, in particular, women in this case. Um, but I mean, I remember, you know, doing a piece on Cuomo and, you know, he was coming at me because I was anti-Italian, he said, which is news to my Italian-American wife. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's it. You know, he plays this extreme hardball sort of uh, politics. And that's not by the way, to say, oh, well, that's just hardcore politics. I mean, it's, you know, it's deeply unpleasant to deal with. And it is interesting how it's of a certain type in New York politics. Yeah, I know. I mean, Michael, you covered, um, you were part of the team that covered the Spitzer collapse. What is, the, but to me, this says something about political journalism. Because, you know, all these people that we've talked about, Cuomo, Giuliani, Spitzer, we haven't even talked about Trump. They all, they, we knew who these people, we've known who these people were. We knew who they were the whole time. Um, 
and it wasn't until there was you know finally something happened that sort of broke the fever right and and it, and it was like okay then it's all out and part of me thinks like well that should have happened earlier i mean it's a way it's sort of about these kind of narratives that that sort of take hold why that is and whether we, something whether we could somehow change that dynamic yeah, I mean, I think it's a great look. I mean, it's a great question. And I guess my, my thought is sort of twofold. I mean, on the one hand, um, reporters need to work harder at pulling back the curtain on, you know, on these politicians and earlier. I mean, you know, like like if when, when there are identifiable personality uh, types, then, you know, we need to write about that earlier, um, you know, you could certainly argue that um, male reporters need to be more attentive to, you know, picking up on the kind of um, stuff that you're talking about, you know, where where women reporters are getting ignored and men reporters aren't. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of report. I mean, there was, you know, I was city hall bureau chief under you know, Rudy at, at, when I was at Newsday. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I dined out on those stories and his, you know, attack, as did other reporters and his attacks on the press and his going after the ferret man on his radio show. I mean, he was, you know, there was a, um, a baddie quality uh, to Rudy that was part of his, you know, kind of, if you will, his public retail personality. I don't know if that's true to the same extent about um, Cuomo, though I would argue that there's been a fair number of pieces over the years. And I guess, and again, this isn't to take the press off the hook. As I said, you know, there's things we can do to pull back the curtain much more aggressively when, you know, when he gets on, I mean, Cuomo's famous thing is he won't talk to people on the record He'll refuse to comment and then he'll call and yammer in the ear of, you know, say a bureau chief, you know, for an hour, all off the record. When I did my column, I used to refuse to do that. I, you know, he would, it was always kind of funny because I'd get on the phone, his press person say, well, you know, the governor's on the phone. He would always call at six o'clock at night because he wanted to screw with your head as you were on deadline. And, 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 and I would say, well, is it on the record? They say, no. I said, well, then I don't want to talk to him. And I would hear Cuomo, like Cuomo was on the line, right? And and he would like, you know, he would say like, I, I can hear him telling the press person, like, tell him this, tell him that. Um, and I started writing about this. And I mean, and other, you know, so I, so I think there are ways of, of kind of getting at some of the lunacy of this. At the same time, I wonder if we also have to look at maybe an un uncomfortable truth that perhaps voters are not quite as uncomfortable with these lunatic personalities. I mean, look, we're talking about president, governor, mayor, right? I mean, we're talking about three people who can be pretty deeply unpleasant, uh, the previous president. Um, and yet people voted, you know, for him. So again, I'm not trying to take the press off the hook. Not the least. We have our job to do regardless of how somebody polls or gets elected, you know, I mean, get the number of votes they get. But there is, you know, there is a personality type that New Yorkers 
seem to be uh, perhaps uncomfortably um, uh, uncomfortably comfortable with voting for. Because uh, it wasn't like, you know, Spitzer, Cuomo, Giuliani. I mean, these were not, you know, these were their essential personality type was not unknown. Joseph, do you have any thoughts about how to sort of break this cycle? You know, I think, uh, so Michael said, a lot, some of it is on the media. We, as I think political reporting values access quite a lot and you make trade-offs for that access, you know, whether it is talking to the governor as he berates you or as he just talks your ear off, off the record. Um, and then there are things that you notice along the way covering, you know, any politician uh, that you deem as something that the public shouldn't know, whether it is, you know, what their management style is like, um, what their personal life is. Uh, and so I think that because of that luster of access, you become desensitized to some of the other things that you see along the way. Um, and you have to weigh the benefit of reporting some of this out versus a long-term effect. If I report out this story right now, does that mean that they're gonna ice me out you know, in the future uh, and not return my calls, not return you know, information uh, that I might need down the line? Um, but I do think some of it is also on the voters. I mean, maybe there is this antipathy towards who they're electing. Now, voter turnout is not great for non-presidential elections. And so the people that go to vote are the people that care. Um, and I think that plays into it. Maybe some of the things that you know political reporters are writing are not permeating down to uh, quote unquote normal people and civilians. Either it goes over their head or they're just not interested. Um, and maybe they weigh whether or not, you know, personality versus governing. Do you want to have someone in office who is a pushover? Do you want to have someone in office who is an effective bully? Um, so I think that's something to consider in all of this. Like, what do, what does the general public care about? And sometimes those things aren't sexy, you know, stories, something that's very basic information. Um, and you know, I do think it's interesting that in New York, we have had this sort of series of bullies um, in different levels of office. And I think maybe because New Yorkers are bullies in general, um, I don't know, or they're just strong personality types that end up picking strong personality types. But you know, there seems to be a sea change in the last few years over that. Josefa and Michael, thank you so much. Super interesting. I really appreciate your thoughts. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Kyle. You can follow CGR's coverage of the Cuomo case on our website and then our daily email newsletter, The Media Today, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. See you next week.